0: Peace, peace, and welcome. We're glad you're here. This is the Cook on Monday Morning Podcast. I am here with the homie, one of the most important founders of our generation. Oh, wow, I don't know about that. <laughs> My man, Chris Bennett. Hello everyone, pleasure <laughs> to be here. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. Glad you're here. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> At Cook on Monday Morning, we believe that if you own Monday morning, you can own the week. If you own the week, you can own the year. And if you change your year, you can change your life. So I met Chris
1: at a wedding. Yes, this is true. In Atlanta, yes, that was a good wedding.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> for the homie Jared, Jared, yes. Jared Jenkins. Shout out to Jared and, yeah, and
0: Jared, what's going on? And their daughter. Uh, Congratulations! <laughs> and two minutes into talking to you, we started arguing.
1: <laughs> that sounds right. I have a, I have point of view. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You got opinions. Opinions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that should never be shared yeah, exactly. <laughs> in, in polite opinion. company
1: <laughs> yeah yeah um, do you remember the argument I think there was a song on and I didn't like the song or I didn't really understand why people liked the song it, there so much. was, yeah there was a, um,
0: it's a it was an R&B group oh. That's one of the greatest groups of all time. (laughs) It's probably the greatest RV group to ever exist. Yeah, probably. And then you completely like craft on their Like, Who was it? Jodacy,
1: jo- what song was it? <laughs> well, everyone was going crazy over Jodacy. Like, why do people like this song? It's not no, a good song, no, it's the group, it
0: doesn't matter.
1: Bro. Yeah, I don't get it. I can't believe I'm saying this on camera. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Yeah, what is, what is this hate of Jodacy? Who is
0: this man yeah. who invited Chris Biddy? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, he started to tell me about the story. Uh, of your company i wanted to I wanted to get into Wonder School. Okay. I wanted to get into uh, your upbringing cool. um, and I talk about Honduras. You cool. know, um, okay, whatever the case may be. so what what is
1: Wonder School? So Wonder School is a way for individuals to start high quality early childhood education programs out of their homes. Mm-hmm. And it's a way for parents to find them. So it's a it's a marketplace uh, for for parents and individuals who want to start these programs. And I I'm originally from Miami, Florida. My parents are from Honduras, mm-hmm. and I uh, I I my my parents really really valued education and were really focused on making sure my sister and I got access to high quality early childhood education, mm-hmm. and my sister. Uh, 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 went to an in-home program when I was when we were kids in Miami, and I would go and I would go to this program for after-school care when I was a kid. And when I when I was out here in the Bay Area, I started to hear from all of these folks that were having a hard time finding childcare, mm-hmm. and and I, I you know asked folks why why didn't they consider in-home options? And what I kept hearing was that you know the programs. The, the directors who were running them needed support from a business standpoint, needed support selling themselves. And we thought, what if we could solve this problem by um, building software and services to help these individuals operate their programs in a, in a, in a, in a high quality manner. Mm-hmm. And so we started the company in 2016. Mm-hmm. We rented a home in the Berkeley Hills and, and hired a teacher and learned everything we could about starting and operating one of these businesses, and now today we have you know hundreds all over all over the country.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, talk a little bit more about the problem of finding childcare, like how how to, what that looks like in the Bay Area.
1: Yeah, so finding childcare in the Bay Area is pretty stressful. The way um, folks typically go about it is they go to. They're they're, they're social networks, so they ask their friends, they ask their um, they ask people in their community what's a good school. But typically, when they go and visit those schools, those schools are full, and so getting into the school of choice is actually pretty stressful. And so um, the next step after that is you go to Google and you type in preschool near me, and uh, same thing, Uh, you you go visit schools. The best ones are typically full. And after that, you, you essentially just repeat that process as much as possible. Some people will even resort to um, walking down the street, driving around neighborhoods in the middle of the day, looking for kids with adults walking, going mm-hmm. to playgrounds mm-hmm. and asking those teachers if they have open spots. And um, and yeah, and so, and so that's what people do today. Mm. And so um you
0: told me the story about like how this idea I know you noticed the problem but you talked about a conversation you, you had when this idea like finally started to materialize at Ted Yeah can you talk about that moment and
1: in- I met this woman named Laura Jana and I was sitting next to her at a social justice dinner mm-hmm. and uh at Ted And um, there's a certain night where there's just all these different dinners and you can pick a dinner of choice. And at the time I was running a social commerce company and I was like, you know, I'm really interested in social justice. It's like sort of like this like thing that this thread that I'm just like always thinking about. Mm -hmm. And I was like, let me go to this dinner. And I sit next to this woman, Laura, and she's telling me about the importance of preschool. Mm -hmm. And I'd never really heard that before. i never thought preschool was important. And uh, she was explaining that a lot of the things that I use as a leader today, a lot of the skills that I use today, I, I most likely learned in, in preschool. Mm-hmm. Concepts, um, like just the way to interact with people, how to persuade people. Um, a lot of the skills I use as a CEO today, I likely learned in preschool. And I thought that was actually pretty surprising. Um, so I called my mom afterwards. I was like, mom, where did I go to preschool? Like, mm-hmm. Can you remind me? And it turns out that I was in, I was an early child. I was in daycare or childcare from a really young age, as early as maybe like four or five months, because my mom and my dad had to work, and uh, my mom felt so terrible about it mm-hmm. because she wanted to be home with me. Mm-hmm. But I don't think what she realizes is that it's been really, you know, valuable for me. As a way to interact with people and 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 navigate, you know, being in all of these new environments, mm-hmm. um, and then she told me that I went to this incredible preschool when I was two and a half. It's called the Lab School, and the Lab School is part of the Miami Dade Community College, and it's one of the best schools in in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I went there when I was a you know when I was a kid, and and she was just going on about how great of a school it was and how you know it you know I learned a ton there. And, and so thinking back to what Laura was saying, it was like you know, I turns out I actually had an incredible education before the age of five, mm-hmm. um, and it's not something you remember. You're 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 too young to remember that, so you have to sort of go to a parent to remind you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I thought it was thought it was cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is dope. Um, so you started in Berkeley. You have hundreds of wonder schools operating across the country. Um, and I've I've seen some of the news reports of the rounds that you've raised. Mm-hmm. Um, is this your most successful venture today, Wonder School? Yeah, I'd say of, so. Yeah. Can you talk about um, what the journey has been like trying to raise money? You know, because like you're one of the few Black founders mm-hmm. um, that you know is, is doing this well, and more can. And I'm sure you can talk. You can get into that, like with you know. The ability for more to do it or just people to do it in general sure. um talk a little bit
1: about what that process has been like for you so the process of fundraising mm-hmm. y- yeah the process of fundraising has been you know i've been running companies for most of my life mm-hmm. and I, I didn't even know what fundraising was in college i didn't know about it i learned about it you know when i moved here um, when I was reading like before I moved here, I was reading TechCrunch, and I kept hearing about all these people raising money. I was like well, that 's really cool. Mm-hmm. I know you could raise money for a company. tell mm-hmm. me more about that mm-hmm. and so I moved here <laughs> and um, yeah, I moved here to learn about fundraising and and pretty much um yeah, it was really hard in the beginning. I raised you know some money from five hundred startups some from from some other funds. It was really hard. Mm-hmm. To fundraise. Oh, uh, what was hard about it? Fundraising.
0: Well, I should mention too, like you before you went into this, you were um, in private equity. Yeah. And so you had kind of seen how deals were being formulated, and yeah. can you talk a little bit about that and how if it helped or not? Yeah. I, into worked this? At,
1: I worked at a real estate private equity firm. Okay. In Chicago, mm-hmm. and I bought multifamily assets like residential properties mm-hmm. and uh and our job was to buy it and flip it turn it around and then sell it mm-hmm. and that experience was sort of valuable i learned a lot about working at like a larger company mm-hmm. i learned a lot about financial modeling i learned about management you know um, that was all really interesting mm-hmm. but they didn't really help me that much when it came to like starting a company a lot of starting companies come from when i was a kid or when i was in college i started a company i started multiple companies Mm -hmm. and so that experience was probably the most valuable okay but coming here for fundraising yeah fundraising was really confusing because there's things you're um when you're fundraising like there's To do wealth fundraising, you have to have a good company. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so having a good company is the hardest part.
2: Mm.
1: Figuring out how to build a company that builds sustainable revenue, that's able to build something that customers want, that's really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we spent a lot of time. I first focused on fundraising, couldn't raise money. Then I tried building something people wanted and I couldn't do that.
2: Mm.
1: And so I couldn't fundraise. And then um, I started to learn that like one of the best proxies to figuring out if you've built something people want is you're growing. Mm. If you're growing, people want it. If you aren't growing, people don't want it. And so that um, was helpful proxy for me. So then I started to focus on growing my business. Mm -hmm. And then when I focused on growing the business, that's when fundraising became a lot easier. Mm. Um, And so... A lot of my belief when it comes to fundraising is just build a company that it's hard to get the money at first, but once you get it, build a company that's great. And the way you figure that out is you, you have to talk to a lot of people who um, can tell you whether your company is doing well or not. Mm-hmm. Is it growing fast enough? Is it growing the right way? And then you use that information to inform how to make it better. And then when it's going really well, you go fundraise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the interesting thing about the company that you're building, you know, is that it is a there is a gaping problem around like access to high quality preschool and it's, and it's people's babies, you know, like <laughs> more important than any dollar amount, you yeah, know, fact. And so, um, uh, step like, talk a little bit more about the types of people that are teaching at Wonder School, the type of training that they get, like type of
1: response you're getting from families that are sending their kids? Yeah. So, um, the response we're getting is really high. We we looked at our, um, net promoter score just the other day.
0: And what's the net promoter score?
1: It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a proxy for the quality. Like if people like your product, mm-hmm. um, you typically see it when you're using something and they give you, and they ask you on a scale of one to 10. How likely are you to recommend this product to a friend? Mm-hmm. You see it whenever you're going through a lot of companies' um, experiences, or at the end of like a customer service experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're a nine or a ten, you're a promoter. If you're anything in, like, if you're between like a five and a nine, I don't know the exact numbers. You're um, you're you're passive, and then if you're um, below five, you're a detractor. Mm -hmm. and you're likely someone who's going to say bad things about the company Mm -hmm. and you want to have as hot, you want to have as many nines as tens as possible. Mm -hmm. We have a very high net promoter score, Mm -hmm. uh, for, um, especially parents who are in our programs. Mm -hmm. Parents love the programs. Um, and, uh, we can't do a net promoter score on the children. They're too young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, people are really, really happy with Wonder School. Um, and that's something that we're really focused on just making sure that the experience that parents and teachers have really strong. And when we find that the experience isn't strong, we do something about it. You know? So we'll go in and sit down with the teacher and have them, we'll either remove them from the platform or we will, um, yeah, we'll do something about it. Okay. Okay.
0: And there's there's also this um this economic opportunity for the people that are teaching. Can you talk a little bit about
1: Yeah, so teachers can earn significantly more than they could on their own. A preschool teacher in um in San Francisco earns about thirty five to forty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Wonder School, you know, you can earn a lot more than that. Um you know, we have, on average, the, the, the directors are earning about 80000 mm-hmm. And then we have directors earning well north of that um, mm-hmm. on the platform. And the idea is we believe if we can increase how much someone's earning in early childhood education, that'll lead to more people wanting to become preschool teachers.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And so if more people want to become preschool teachers, that will lead to us solving this problem of not having enough childcare for the children that are, you know, in the U S and if it's high quality, we can have a similar, like children will have a similar experience to the one I had mm-hmm. where they'll be able to fulfill their potential because they were able to get access to the right education before the age of five. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So much, so much happens. And so this is all. there's a lot of research that points out points to the first five years of life. Absolutely. And how, um important that is to like you know how we show up in our romantic relationships when we're older like how we you know our ability to um like attain new vocabulary you know like and so much around our parents and so it is a very important space to be in um can you i want to talk a little bit more about uh where you grew up and uh honduras so uh, miami is it has this, like, a lot of his own stories. When you told me you're from Honduras, I was like, yeah, they do got black people in Honduras. Yes, 1%. <laughs> is it really? Is it yeah, that
1: low? It's really small.
0: Okay, because I, I feel like there was some other Central American countries that had a higher population. But um, Miami, what was your childhood like in Miami?
1: Man, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. um so i'm one of 31 cousins oh and so i have a a really big family Mm -hmm. yeah my family's so big that when i'm in miami i and i like am hanging out in like downtown miami i expect to see someone Mm. it's like that big okay like it's like you know how you run into your friends from high school i run into my family (laughs) oh okay 31 cousins (laughs) 31 uh first First cousins. cousins How many? Damn! Yeah, my mom has (laughs) four cousins, three sisters. My dad has six siblings, and then my grandparents each have like four to six siblings. Okay. Okay. So I have a and 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 then (laughs) and then they marry. You know, it's just big. Right. 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 And it's a big Honduran community. Mm -hmm. So. so, so, yeah, growing up in Miami was fun. A uh, lot of time with my family, um, potluck dinners, mm-hmm. uh, um, holidays together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was sort of like a, imagine like, you know, freshman year of high of college. That's what it's like coming to the United States. It's like everyone's just getting here. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how to navigate this place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they all sort of came around the same time. So, it's like you, you lean on each other to support each other and how to manage like get around and manage you know living in the u.s
2: right
1: and so um spent a lot of time with them and then and then i had a i had a you know lots of fun i had a lot of friends in my neighborhood lots of lots of uh uh went to you know growing up in Miami you, you're outdoors all the time you're out on the water mm-hmm. going fishing going boating mm-hmm. it's it's a really unique childhood mm-hmm. cuz it's it's like a it's like a big playground it's fun
0: that's nice that's nice um coming so i i'm wondering about like the if if your family sort of t- took on that classic immigrant story or if they were more so um, part of the fabric of like the the traditional black community in the states like what was that wh- how would you respond to that what was that like
1: yeah so it, race in miami is was always very interesting mm-hmm. because if you look at my family they're just on my on both sides there's there's some people who could pass for white okay like my grandmother like like it's just it's uh, like it's always been a little confusing with even within the family Mm. yeah like i have cousins who are white Mm -hmm. first cousins Mm. (laughs) and so it's just so um my well somebody's white in the family it sounds like this uh my 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 uh grandmother is on my dad's side Mm -hmm. um is of like spanish and indian descent okay like uh and some of her children are incredibly light-skinned okay um and then uh if some of her children married very light-skinned women and their children are very light-skinned and so so they can so in that regard they um could pass for white mm-hmm. and um so yeah even within my family it was, it was always just like a little a little race was sort of present mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within and then within my neighborhood so i actually grew up in the 50th most um diverse zip code in america huh uh and so my neighbor to the left was white my um like um, english descent um catty corner white english descent across the street haitian black to the other catty corner haitian black to the right cuban mm-hmm. like latin and actually the one the guy on the left was cuban white
2: mm.
1: and so and again you're a kid so you're just it's just like this is Miami. You when you walk into someone's home, you don't know what you don't know what the culture is. So you just have to follow the rule. Like what? Like what am I eating here? Do I take my <laughs> shoes off? Do I keep them on? What language are we speaking? Does your mom understand me or no? Right. You know, like it's just like you're totally always having to switch. Mm. Um, and there was in my neighborhood, I only know I only know, only knew of one African American family.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Brandon's parents
2: uh-huh.
1: but there were a lot of black families in my neighborhood mm-hmm. but they were all just different cultures right uh, it was primarily in high school my high school was in an african-american community okay. that um, there's this famous uh, I don't remember his name uh, famous politician who is running for something recently He's from that neighborhood. Andrew Gillum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Andrew and Governor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Andrew is in a, from a neighborhood called Richmond, mm-hmm. Richmond Heights, Richmond, my high school is in Richmond Heights. And oh, Richmond yeah. Heights is an African American community mm-hmm. historically, right? And um, so through that, like through high school a wide range of friends and many of them being african-american but i honestly didn't learn i learned the most about african-american culture when i went to college Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 my my family didn't make any sort of strides to my to my knowledge Mm -hmm. to sort of assimilate or to to integrate into african-american culture it was much more honduran culture Mm. Mm. and uh yeah interesting
0: yeah um so you speak spanish yeah do you speak any other languages no just spanish okay and um and so what were some of the major lessons that your parents tried to instill in you any
1: mantras that came up in the house or so funny um how many siblings do you have i have um one sister okay one sister okay yeah Get good grades. Mm-hmm. Always get good grades. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> okay. Don't get in trouble at school. Don't get in trouble with, uh-huh. in trouble with cops. Uh-huh. Like, don't talk back. Uh-huh. Just defer. Like, don't get in trouble. Mm. I wasn't allowed to get in trouble. Okay. <laughs> How good were you at following the rules? I was pretty good. Like, I actually was good at, I was good at, I was good at, towing the line, I guess, you know, like I followed the rules, um, but yeah, I didn't, I just didn't get in trouble. Okay. So that was like a big thing for us when we were kids. Um, uh, entrepreneurship is really big. This like, like my parents really didn't believe in, they, they were big believers in, in making your own money mm-hmm. and earning your own, your own way. So my mom worked at Bell South, the telecom company, and really wanted to quit all the time. And so she quit and started a tax preparation business. She started a perfume store, she started a grocery store. My dad worked, um, he pushed bags at the airport, and um, he, whenever, like, like they were always just quitting their jobs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Starting business. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like always. Yeah. And so that's sort of the environment I grew up in. Okay. And um, and it was it was a little scary as a kid because sometimes it didn't work. Like my mom's business went. I remember my mom pulling me aside. And she's like, "Chris, we're filing for bankruptcy," and I'm like, "Whoa!" Mm. Like like that's a big deal mm. you uh, know how were you when you i don't were, remember yeah. i was in high school that's maybe really in middle right. school it's uh. like whoa we're falling for bankruptcy i don't even know what that means but <laughs> that doesn't sound good uh-huh. but we're fine you uh-huh. know like my uh-huh. mom's doing fine uh-huh. and like that that's like seeing those ups and downs were super valuable mm. Mm. yeah it sounds like
0: yeah you got like a i mean the way you describe your childhood it really sounds beautiful and very very diverse um and those are the types of lessons, I mean, your kids seeing you build, have a setback and continue to build, like that's way more valuable, I think, than most of what we see in traditional school settings. So um, you sound like you were very fortunate. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? I went to University of Pennsylvania. Okay. UPenn. Yeah. And so uh, what was that? That's, it's, it's very different than Miami.
1: Yeah. It's very different. It's Philly. Oh,
0: man. Right. Yeah, so different. Yeah. And, and,
1: yeah. What was that transition like going to college? Uh, it was really interesting because I love my parents didn't go to college. So they didn't, they don't know what that transition was like. And I tell my friends sometimes my, my parents just like said, All right, well, we'll see you later. And I just got <laughs> on the plane and I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> like, shut showed up. Right, I got to figure this out. Uh-huh. I can remember going to Target by myself with my own money, uh-huh. buying all this stuff. And like, like going to my dorm and seeing my friends. They have like an army of people supporting them right. in this move. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's actually a lot like my college move, but yours is like. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but go What was yours
2: like?
0: I was. I mean, I was came by myself, and I had scholarship money. I I didn't like, you know, but. Yeah, I had to go to. I didn't have a way to get to Walmart to buy stuff. I didn't have a winter coat. I went to college in Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. In winter that. coats. Yeah, <laughs> you're from here. It's actually it's similar because you go there and you. Yeah, yeah. It's but, tricky. But yeah, continue.
0: So you got the whole you buy yourself. Did you did you have a lot of jobs in high school? Is that something you say you came with your own money? Well, did you start more
1: slow? more like I had? Schol- I had tons of scholarship okay, yeah. money from University of Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. but more like I had. Companies when I was in 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 middle school, mm. and I had I used my own money to pay for some of the things, uh, just like um like you know my 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 dorm room, right. like setting up my dorm room, mm-hmm. uh, and um, but yeah, it was it was it was crazy. I you know University of Pennsylvania is a is a great school. Uh, it's it's for America's wealthiest you know families Mm. and i didn't really know what i was getting myself into until i showed up um but i i loved it it was really fun i learned a lot met a lot of great people i was in the wharton school and um learned a lot about you know finance um uh, real estate um economics Mm -hmm. um i started my own company there i made a lot of friends that i'm still friends with today and so that's, that's great.
0: Right. So you got your MBA there, or was that? Or you say the word? Okay. Yeah. Did you and did you do any more school after college? Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. Do Do you have? Are you also invested in real estate? Is that something you do, or are you just kind of paying no. attention to? Okay. Do you um, invest in other companies? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What is What is sort of What is sort of your philosophy around investment for other businesses?
1: Um, investing in companies is super interesting because the best companies look super stupid (laughs) they look so stupid they make no sense okay at first
0: (laughs) like what's an
1: example i mean one of the best companies i'm invested in right now is one of my close friends companies is this it's this it's a it's a cryptocurrency bank Okay. Oh, yeah, you are big into crypto. Yeah. I remember this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Continue. It's a cryptocurrency bank, and I just didn't think it made a lot of sense at the time. But he's a really smart guy. Uh-huh. He's one of the smartest people I know. And so, it's like, he actually had to, like, I actually wasn't going to invest. He had to more convince me to invest. He's one of my close friends. Mm-hmm. And I it might end up being my best investment ever. Mm-hmm. So that's how I invest. It's like I just hang out with people in San Francisco, (laughs) okay, and build relationships with people. And when they're ready to start their company, I ask to to be able to be a part of it. Yeah, that's that's. I don't really go out looking for deals. Got it. Um, and and that's how I invest today. Yeah, yeah. Well, that standard does
0: sound. It doesn't sound like that rigorous.
1: No, it's not rigorous <laughs> at
0: all. <laughs> but I know people who pursue probably very rigorous standards before they put money into you. Right? Well,
1: well, they did, but I didn't know anybody.
2: Uh-huh.
1: You know, like if I try to raise a round today, if I was starting a company today, I don't know if I, would, I don't know if it would be that hard
2: because
1: mm. I have relationships. But when I moved here, I knew three people. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting with an investor, and he and he wanted he he liked me. He's like, "Who do you know that I know?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, "I don't know anyone you know. I don't. I I, I cold emailed you. I don't know you." Mm-hmm. And he didn't invest.
0: Right.
1: And so the way, and, and I think that's another reason why it's it's really hard to break into to Silicon Valley because it's all based on relationships. It's like it's like L.A. It's it's your network.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. I was talking to uh Prosper about you.
1: Oh really? Yeah. Cool, yeah, Prosper's one of our investors. He uh-huh. You told me. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh yeah, and so I know I know that you sort of made your entry in the meeting a lot of people out here and you um, he went you guys went to the same college, right? We did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. Very serious. Very very rigorous.
1: <laughs> his kids do you follow him on, i follow him on facebook okay and his kids are so smart yeah <laughs> his kids are at the jerry rice event oh really yeah yeah his kids are uh the way he's parenting is a is a very um admirable it's inspiring it's mm-hmm. it's i i just learn a lot just by watching him i definitely want to you know i aspire to be as good of a dad as he is yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: Nah. yeah yeah his kid uh um, and the Jerry Rice uh, At the live event Was talking about Being the only black kid On his hockey team And um, He started the question He was like I-, I like going fast on the ice And Jerry Rice was like Would you challenge me To a race on the ice?
1: <laughs> Jerry <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "No, <laughs> you, do you want to race? <laughs> are, you,
0: but, are you are you are you in the sports? Are you big into sports?" Yeah,
1: I follow a lot of sports. Okay, okay. yeah, it's like a it's like a low key because Sa- San Francisco is not the most sports leaning place. Uh-huh. But I have some investors who are big in the sports, so it's made me feel a little bit more fine about. But I love sports. Sports are incredible. It's public competition. Mm-hmm. It's public competition, mm-hmm. you know. You it's, it's like it's the best. <laughs> so you like you like watching competitions for sure. Yeah. I love because it's the psych, the psychology, the preparation, mm-hmm. the big stage. It's just incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I got too emotionally
0: invested in sports teams. Oh yeah, the that Niners. Cool. Are you a
1: Niners fan? Well,
0: I, I mean, by birth, yeah, yeah. but not by uh, by by but by choice. I don't watch a lot of the Bay Area sports teams because of how emotionally wrapped up I get mm-hmm. and these game outcomes that... So do
1: you just follow it afterwards? You just look at the scores?
0: Yeah, I mean, I kind of just don't... I, I'd rather just not, you know, pay attention. Oh, wow. Why do you get so emotionally wrapped up? I don't know. That's why it's so confusing to me, too. Like, I, I hate the fact that I do. and That's And every time I really get wrapped up in watching... Like they lose, like you know, the Warriors lost um, while I was in, I was in Kenya, mm-hmm. staying up late to watch the finals, mm-hmm. and they tough. got beat by the Raptors. It's tough. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> we, tough. It's, yeah. It's, I I completely
0: relate. It's uh-huh, tough. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what's what's, so I know you're big in that. We we talked a lot about books, um, and you know, one of the things I, I like about you is it's like. You, you have um. You're you're kind of unassuming in how you come off, but then you you kind of like get to know you a little bit, and it's just like all this information.
1: Oh, really? (laughs) I come off as unassuming.
0: Uh, just like kind of down to earth, and you know, you wouldn't know like how much money have you raised for Wonder School? Thirty-five million. Yeah. So you know, like you raised thirty-five
1: million (laughs) dollars. (laughs) <laughs> <And then, laughs> you know not wearing
0: Gucci I mean, I, well you know you gotta look like a tech founder out here like
1: <laughs> I've been like this my whole life bro. Yeah, yeah like yeah. in high school in middle school I don't know <laughs> yeah, it's levels like you gotta get past that onion
0: bro <laughs> I'm trying to get into that onion <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so you know we were talking about um, we, we talked about books and um, and you, you. I, I'm trying to remember the title of the one that we spoke we spoke about over, over breakfast one day. But what what were what are some of the, um, really impactful books that you've read? Like what are the first that come to mind?
1: Yeah, the first one is Outliers. It's my favorite okay. book. Okay. I love the book so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. people. It's controversial. There's people who don't like it. I've Ten thousand hours. Ten thousand hours. The the the. I don't know. There's just. There's so many underlying things to success Mm -hmm. that we don't see. Uh, And that book helped me sort of decode success a little Mm -hmm. bit Mm -hmm. and gave me a lot of confidence in being able to do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so after reading that book, I, I, I actually... Quit my job working in, uh, well, I didn't quit. I just let go of my job in, in private equity. Mm-hmm. But I ended up getting another job in private equity and decided to not take it. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want con- to continue down um, that path.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Spent a year preparing for medical school and realized I didn't want to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, if, if it weren't for that book, I would never have thought I could be one. Hmm. And it was just this idea of like, oh, Chris, like you can just do whatever you want. It's just not going to be, there's certain things I can't do. I can't become a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm too old, not good enough, not tall enough. Like, and there's some, and, 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 and those things you sort of have to, you know, cut out. Mm-hmm. But I could be a stockbroker. I could be the president. I could be, it's possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you, and if you, if you understand, you know, the game to get there, then you, and you can, and you can break it down, it's possible to actually achieve those things. Mm -hmm. And outliers doesn't say that outright. I have this tendency of reading something and coming up with my own meaning from it, mm. but that is sort of my, that was my big takeaway from it.
0: Mm. So what, what does getting there look like for wonder school?
1: So, you know, we want to achieve our mission. We want to ensure every child has access to high quality, early education to help them fulfill their potential. And so, it's starting to happen. I'm starting to be at a party, and it's like, oh, my kid goes to a Wonder School. Mm. My co-founder's kid goes to a Wonder School. I'm seeing on Twitter people sharing Wonder School links. Mm. Uh, people are recommending Wonder School. So yeah, we want to get to a point where Wonder School is, you know, uh, a household name and it's very normal. And and we want to get to a point where, you know, we live in a world where. We all know that if we show up, if we go out, if I press the button right now, a, a car would show up and I'd get in the car and I'd get to my destination safely. And believe it or not, if I showed up in Mumbai, if I was in Sri Lanka, you would expect to press a button, get in a car, and you're gonna get there safely. Mm-hmm. And it's like the problem solved. And so how do we get there with child care? Mm-hmm. Where you have a kid.
0: They have it in Cairo, by the way. You got it. They,
1: they got have an like, Uber.
0: Yeah. They the have multiple.
1: Road. Yeah. Uh-huh. But continue. <laughs> and it's 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 almost become like a it's like it's like, you know, 3G. It's like you just expect it
2: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like you expect to have AC. You expect to have electricity. Mm-hmm. If you don't have those things, it's like, what? That's mm-hmm. what that's what ride sharing is becoming. Mm-hmm. And we were here for the beginning of it. And I, I think we, I think we all can remember getting into our Lyft for the first time, and we were like the first ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It took me a long time to actually uh, make the leap because I kept hearing about Uber and Lyft, and I was like, I'm not doing no damn totally. Uber and Lyft.
1: And, what was the, what was your first experience getting into a Lyft? Um,
0: I actually don't remember. I just remember as soon as I did it, I kept using it. And exactly. then like
1: yeah, and then, and then my bill went up through the roof. <laughs> I remember, I remember, I remember. I was walking out of a Wharton event with my friend Giro and Jareau's like, "You you're getting a cab? Who you who gets cabs still?" Right. And I'm like sitting there trying to get a taxi, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this car pulls up and he just hops in, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I gotta download this app. Right, right. And yeah. you're right. Once I once I got it, it was like I was hooked. I couldn't get off. Mm-hmm. That's what we want Wonder School to be for childcare. Mm-hmm. You know, so we want it to be that you you move to you move to London and you just open up the Wonder School app and you find childcare. You 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 have a second kid, you you open the wonder school app and you find childcare.
2: That's mm-hmm. what we wanna get to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: One more story about what what got me doing ride share because you know any introduction to new uh technology like san francisco is a place where a lot of it gets gets tried out you know the headquarters for both uber and lyft are in san francisco and um i'm one of those natives that is has an aversion to anything like all the all these tech companies and like devices and all this stuff kind of feeling like it's infiltrating the city and um and i was talking to uh, a friend of mine about um, doing like a silent protest at Uber and Lyft for those same reasons, like you know, they're they're ruining our city. And it was a brother, and he was like, "Well, you know, taxis never stop for me, so I mess with Uber."
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: I was like, "Damn, that's true." <laughs> and that's when I downloaded that. That's when I, that's actually that was. Like, I was like, "Oh, like yeah.
1: I never have to deal with someone just driving by me anymore." Mm-hmm. The other thing that got me really excited about it is, you, especially when you go to Chicago. It's like everyone who drive. I remember everyone who's driving is a person of color.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, like this is great. It's creating all of these jobs for people. Mm-hmm. And they're it's controversial because they're not likely earning enough, or mm-hmm. they But I always tell people like there was a time when I couldn't get a job.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I couldn't get a job. Right. <laughs> like I put in applications and no one would hire me. Right right and so how great is it that there's an option that we can all fall back on where mm-hmm. we can at least make some money yeah and so yeah that's a, a something i've always thought about yeah yeah i mean the yeah
0: I, th- I know there's like the introduction of ab5 that's going to change what a lot of the way oh, that yeah. the gig economy is operating and um a lot of gig work does employ people that you know may have may need a second chance or may not begin hired through the traditional route. And um and we have this congestion problem in the city, that's kind of like off the hook. It's kind of like you know yeah the, scooters. Well, I mean, um, people had to I guess stop using the rideshare and start learning how to use. One of the reasons I stopped riding the, I used to be a bicycle. Maybe we can like talk a little bit about San Francisco issues and then yeah, I'd love um, to talk about this. This is great. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I want to I want to let you get off to run your you know. million plus company? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I stopped riding a bike because I used to be a a bike commuter because um, I had, you know, I was like running for school board. I was trying to build this nonprofit and I I kept being absent-minded thinking about whatever problem I was having as I was on my bike, you know, and so you need to be very aware for sure and this, this market
1: street just closed though that's amazing
0: mm-hmm. that that just happened yeah it's amazing well yeah let's get into some of the like what so amazing. the 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 things that you enjoy right now or the challenges that you think the city is facing
1: well, i just want to tell you that i love san francisco yeah san francisco yeah, me too. is my <laughs> <laughs> Favorite place. Okay. <laughs> I'm like the biggest San Francisco fanboy. Okay. And my goal is to stay as um, long as possible. Uh-huh. And I love this neighborhood. I love that I can just I woke up, you know, had some coffee, walked outside, mm-hmm. got on a scooter, was here within five minutes. Oh, you wrote a scooter here? I ride scooters everywhere. Okay. And I got here within five minutes. Uh i know this neighborhood so well every and it it just gets better and better the more time i spend here the happier i am to be here Mm. um the things that i like about the city right now i really do like the scooters Mm -hmm. i really like that i like the i like the new real estate that's going up Mm -hmm. Um, i went to go visit a director yesterday who started a preschool in a 1190 mission have you ever seen that building the trinity towers Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and i just go in there i'm like wow this is new mm-hmm. and then it's huge all this new real estate mm-hmm. and i'm like this is great mm-hmm. so i like i like that that's happening mm-hmm.
0: um so you like the increased density and the high rises yeah it's just ridiculous because the-
1: there's not enough there's not enough space for people here mm-hmm. and we can build up you know like mm-hmm. So, yeah so th- that's that's one thing i really like
0: mm-hmm. do you like would you like it near you or do you like it that it's like all the way <laughs>
1: <laughs> i mean I, it's like it's one of those things i don't want it near me but mm-hmm. i'm not going to stop it
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know
0: yeah that's that's the balance too because i think that um even in our neighborhood there's there's a lot of opportunities to build and i think the mood of the city is um what does it look like and and who's coming in you know
1: yeah like this new building um uh the one right down here alchemy yeah um i started my we actually that was my That was, we had our second office there and alchemy is super expensive and it's like all of a sudden vcs live in my neighborhood and all these people who weren't living in my neighborhood before i live in my neighborhood now mm-hmm. yeah it's not that bad it's like you know but it's 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 it's, a, it's one of those things that's eventually going to come for you it's like I have a pretty affordable apartment, I have a great apartment, but mm-hmm. as this continues, I'm probably not gonna be able to live there anymore. Probably gonna have to move into one of these, you know, high rise buildings or, and it's it's just, it's, it's hard, it's what you can be selfish. It's like, hey, I don't want it to happen to me, me, but it's like, well, I think about this a lot at the company. What's the best thing for the company, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and what's, the, what's the best thing for the city? Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're like they're figuring out a way for everyone to stay while also building up, building more real estate, building more space.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's where the the partnership and the policy has to come into play too. Because if it gets built, it's just going to get sold to whoever can, you know, pay the sticker price. You know, that's kind of like the the rules of you know supply and demand. You know, but but we have a lot of opportunities to um, build. To build with like certain communities in mind, and um, and so all the conversation about like percentage of affordable housing, or 100% affordable, or um, you know pathways to home ownership, um, how to reengage like students to to make San Francisco or recent college graduates to make San Francisco home. Thinking about the public sector, like all these things are, I think, possible to accomplish and have been done here before but we are just facing these challenges around like the cost of housing, you know, like one of the, all of all the recent reports and research show that this is the most expensive place to build in the country mm. and yeah, building an affordable housing unit here. Um, it costs like $750,000 a unit. Yeah. Oh, wow. For an affordable unit. So, so yeah, I think, I think, you know, That's crazy. <laughs> this year, uh, I mean, housing and homelessness are, are the big issues. Yeah, because there's a the flip city. side
1: of it is homelessness. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So what makes you fanboy for San Francisco? I don't
1: know. I just, <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. I love, I love, but I, but I recognize it's complicated. It's mm-hmm. super hard. I wouldn't, I, I, I believe, you know, being, being the mayor here is probably one of the hardest jobs. Mm-hmm. Because you have so many different people you need to make happy who have completely different competing interests mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the trade offs must be so hard because every decision you make is going to make some people really happy and some people really upset, yeah, and so it sounds very very hard. I do mm-hmm. not envy that position mm-hmm. um but the weather the people the influx of amazing people um, the food uh, improved transportation uh, there's things that need to improve or that's the pretty crappy diversity here's really really poor mm-hmm. um, homelessness issues really sad uh, a lot of like my favorite places are going out of business Mm -hmm. Um, but I've also been fortunate enough to live in a lot of American cities Mm -hmm. and I've traveled the whole world, you Mm -hmm. know, so Mm -hmm. I lived in Philadelphia, I lived in Chicago, I lived in Miami, spent time in tons of American cities. And when you think about San Francisco relative to a lot of places, that's when it, that's when it, it bubbles up to the top for me. Mm. So Mm. it and relative to other cities it's by far the best in my opinion Mm -hmm. but within the city there's still a lot of problems
0: right yeah yeah and yeah i think yeah i mean i'm committed to solving them i think that uh people that love the city should commit themselves to stay so um i appreciate you uh coming on and talking about i think you shared some important advice about um you know, building a company and I think that's going to inspire a lot of people of of all backgrounds that want to achieve at least what you've achieved and, and go beyond that. I always wrap up the show talking about leadership and legacy. Do you have any guiding principles when it comes to leadership?
1: I'm still figuring uh, that out but the the one I think about the most is sort of what's like a what's the image like what's an image that that uh, symbolizes um the type of leader i want to be at least mm-hmm. and the one that comes to mind is um, a picture of the sun and and then you look at the sun on uh like if you just go to google and type in a photo of the sun it looks a little different than what you realize mm-hmm. it's like it's it, it, it's like a it's orange it's mm-hmm. not really yellow it's orange it especially when you look at it in 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 uh, in, in space it's orange it it's fiery mm-hmm. but it it we all feed off of it mm. and it so it you want to be got <laughs> <laughs> no I don't want to be God. I'm joking. <laughs> no. Nope. What else I like you about want to be the, the source sun? Source of life for everyone. <laughs> I want to empower people. Uh-huh. I want to empower my team. I mm. want to empower our teachers. I want to empower these parents. The other thing is consistent. The sun is always there. Mm. Mm. It's always there. Mm. <laughs> See, I knew this is going to get
0: deeper as you went on. I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted you. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> It is on time. Yeah,
1: it is consistent. Uh-huh. It's reliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, that. And so I just think about that a lot. Mm-hmm. There's no other layers to that. Are, there's no. Other... There's probably more. But... Okay.
0: Okay. That was
2: good deep, bro. <laughs> I like that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk more about that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. And legacy. So um I named uh, my company after my great grandfather, Luther Harris. It's called the Luther Harris Holding Company. Cool. Um he came into San Francisco, the city we both love. Cool. In nineteen forty seven. Oh, cool. W- with a sixth grade education. You know, bought homes for him and all of his children. Um his legacy is important to me. This is his dictionary. Oh whoa. And this uh these are his wife's chairs. Oh wow. Medea. We called her Medea. Um oh. How do you think about legacy
1: and uh, your legacy? This is a good question. I've not something I really thought, spent a lot of time thinking about. But two things come to mind, my companies and my family. You know, and so I'm haven't haven't started a family yet, but it's something that I I hope to 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 you know eat build a legacy with and the companies I build spend a lot of time thinking about building sustainable, long-lasting companies so that they continue to to thrive even when I'm not in them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Chris Bennett. Yeah. Appreciate you. This is great.
2: Fun. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Peace, peace. And thank you for listening to another Cook on Monday Morning. I'd like to thank Chris Bennett for coming out and Telling us about Wonder School, the journey that he's had building the company, the lessons he's learned, the inspirational text he's read, <laughs> and what it means to model your leadership after the sun. <laughs> that was dope. Um, I really appreciate Chris, and and I, you know, and I hope that you learned a lot listening to him. I'd like to thank the people that helped this podcast and and put it on. I'd like to thank our uh, videographer and producer David Topete. I'd like to thank Fernando Encinco Marquez for all of the editing he does for the podcast, the newsletter, I should say. I'd also like to thank uh, Icy House. They they provided some of the equipment for the show. And I'd like to thank all of you who have been sharing, following, helping build Cook on Monday Morning. You know, this whole idea is about building. It's about um, seizing the day, building something special, that uh, can uplift and empower whoever is participating. Those people that are doing that are in places like Oakland, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston. They're in New Orleans, Philadelphia, Miami, Detroit, Chicago, Milwaukee, Indianapolis. They're in Boston. They're in New Haven. Wherever you are, I appreciate you, and I want to get to know you. I want I want you to get to know me. You can reach out to me on twitter i am now also on instagram you can uh, connect with me there uh, if you have any questions you want to email me you can email me at info and finally i just want to thank the people that make san francisco the place that it is the city that i'm in love with and i think um the people make it that so i really want to In today's podcast by thanking our teachers our first responders um, our school lunch workers the people that are on our custodial staff people to keep our streets safe and the folks that are doing direct service work to help folks that are are really struggling i really appreciate all of you Uh, you make the city tick it is what it is because of you and this podcast is for you peace peace and we out